you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. We're going to continue in the miracle series today. We actually had planned on moving on to a different series, but man, there's so much that God is doing and so much that we're learning through this and lots of conversations that I've had over the last several weeks that God is really challenging a lot of us through this series. So we're going to continue on for at least a couple more weeks in this series that we're calling Miracles. And I want to start off by just reminding us why we're doing this series. Here's kind of the four main reasons or the kind of the four goals, I would say, of this season. Number one is I want to give you solid evidence, if you struggle to believe, that miracles happen. There's a lot of people that struggle to believe in miracles. Maybe this Jesus thing is new to you or this church thing is new to you. Maybe you're, you're skeptical of all this. We want to give you evidence that miracles still do take place. Number two is to be known as a church where God saves, heals, and delivers people. And I pray that people would know that about us, that that would be our reputation. I pray that people would know that about even our, us as individuals, that we would be a part of bringing people into relationship with God. And man, that's something that's big that's on our heart. Be a church where people are continually getting saved, getting healed, and getting delivered. Number three is to strengthen your faith so that you see God perform more miracles in your life. I think God would want that in your life. And uh, I see that all over scripture. And I just pray that your faith would grow so you can see more miracles. And then number four is to strengthen your faith so that you trust God, even when you don't see the answer you believed for. And that's an important one. That's the one we're going to center in on today. We're going to talk about why doesn't God answer all of my prayers when I really believe for it. And so here's really what I want you to catch here today message is going to center around this statement. The strength of my faith is based upon the strength of my God. The strength of my faith is based on the strength of my God. And we'll unpack that. We'll talk about what that means, what that looks like. But here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've seen in my life at times personally, and then really holistically in the church, especially in the United States, is way too many Christians are living lives with little or no faith. Faith is not a part of their life. Now, maybe we have the faith to believe that we're saved and we're going to heaven, but beyond that, there's no moments where we're really stepping out and having to trust God fully and completely. And here's the deal, guys. We're people of faith. That's who we are. We're called to live by faith, walk by faith and not by sight. And so I pray that you and I would have moments where we're stepping out in faith and we're just basically saying, okay, God, I need you to show up. If you don't show up, I don't know what's going to happen. And so maybe that's something you need to ask yourself. Am I living a life that requires faith? Because there's a lot of believers that are not living lives that require any faith whatsoever. We're too comfortable. We just only do things that we've already thought through and figured out ahead of time. But we're people of faith. And I'm not meaning to step on any toes. I'm not meaning to discourage you, but I want to challenge you to live a life of faith. So this series has been good. Like I said, it's been challenging for a lot of us. For, for some people, they said, I've, I've kind of struggled with this. And I think that's, that's okay. And I think it's important for us to continue to pray and wrestle through 
this whole topic of miracles and faith. Where's my faith at? How strong is my faith? And here's, here's what I've noticed is that a lot of people struggle with the faith to believe God for the impossible. The truth is Jesus told us to pray for the impossible. He said he's the God of the impossible, but a lot of people, a lot of believers are struggling to pray and believe for the impossible. People are scared to pray bold prayers too. Maybe that's you. Just too scared to pray bold prayers. That's for other people. That's for like spiritual warriors and heroes. That's for good Christians, but I'm too scared to pray bold prayers. People are confused even how to pray. And maybe that's you too. Uh, And people don't realize the power of their prayers. Do you realize how powerful your prayers are? Do you realize what God does based upon you and I praying and calling out to him? Listen to these quotes by some from prayer warriors here. John Wesley, he said this, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. D.L. Moody, he said, next to the wonder of seeing my savior will be, I think, the wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. In Oswald Chambers, he said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And so prayer is so important, guys. It is so, so powerful. And we're going to talk about prayer and, and look at how we should pray. So let's go to Jesus. Let's look at Jesus's words, because Jesus not only models a life of prayer for us, but he taught us how to pray. And so right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, this is the greatest sermon ever in the history of planet earth. Jesus gives us these words. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we'll just stop right there. Uh, actually, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. I forgot a few words there. Okay, I apologize. Okay, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so uh, we'll stop right there though for the purpose of what we're looking at here uh, today. So Jesus is telling us how to pray here. We start off by recognizing who God is, how great, how amazing, how perfect, how holy. God, you are holy. You are almighty. You are the creator of heavens and earth and everything in my life. You are righteous. You are perfect. You are God and you alone are God. We, we look to him. We recognize who he is. And then Jesus says, you can pray your kingdom come your will be done, and that that would take place here on earth as it is in heaven. And have you ever thought to really think about the implications of those types of prayers? Those are bold prayers. Those are very powerful, important words for us to really think through and try to understand what is Jesus getting to here? So we got to understand that Jesus came and he preached a gospel, and we like to refer to it as a kingdom gospel because that's what he continually said. Hey, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus literally preached the gospel, the good news, but it was a kingdom gospel. And he came to establish a spiritual kingdom in our hearts, in our lives. He came to save us and change us from the inside out so that we would live in this place in his kingdom spiritually where he would be our king. And basically we dethrone ourselves and let Jesus be our king. And so that's why Jesus came. And so now he's telling us to pray these types of prayers, pray that his kingdom would come here. And so think about kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? What is God's kingdom like? It's honestly, it's, it's, it's perfect. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's, there's no death in his kingdom. So you and I are called to pray those types of prayers. In fact, I would even say this. You and I are called to be kingdom people. Everywhere we go, we are advancing the kingdom of 
God. Jesus himself said this. He said, he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Basically, as we live our lives of faith as kingdom people, we are advancing on the gates of hell and the, the kingdom of God is advancing. And I, I pray that you and I would make the kingdom the priority of our life. Whatever you're called to do, whatever your job is, whatever responsibilities you, you and I have, we all need to make sure that we're responsible, obviously. We need to do those to the best of our ability and do everything for the glory of God. But our priority in, in life needs to be the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom. That's the first thing you, you and I need to seek. We are people of the kingdom. We want to live like it. So when I live in the kingdom, that's when I can really enjoy the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus. And as I live in that place and I experience that, I can, I can walk in his presence and in his power because he's asked us to. We have his delegated authority to walk in his presence and power. And we are kingdom people taking the kingdom wherever we go. So we want to live that way. But Jesus also said, pray that way. And so we can literally pray God's kingdom into situations. We can pray God's kingdom into people's lives. We can pray God's kingdom into our homes. I pray that you have a kingdom family, a kingdom-minded home, that it's all about God's kingdom and that his presence and his power manifest in your home and in your life. I pray that. There's so much more I could say about this, but it's important we understand what Jesus is saying. We can pray for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. We can pray for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We'll talk more about his will and what his will is, but let's go on to Mark 11 where Jesus talks again about prayer. He tells us how to pray. It says, in the morning they went along and they saw a, a fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Can I just say like, like, wow, these are some very important again and profound words that Jesus is saying. Actually, I would say they're bold. They're bold. Jesus is telling us to not even pray about mountains. He says, you and I can speak to mountains. Just speak to them. You know, the series graphic is a picture of a mountain in the air, just kind of that reference to these moments where, where Jesus is saying, you know, you can speak to mountains, you can move mountains. And so Jesus literally is saying right there, you don't even have to pray about it, but you can speak to those mountains. You can speak to those situations in your life. And then Jesus has the, the nerve, the boldness to say this. Did you catch this? Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, do those words make you feel a little uncomfortable? I, I, they kind of do for me at times. Like, seriously, Jesus, like whatever, as long as I believe it will happen. So we got to understand what does Jesus really mean? What is he trying to say there? What's the purpose of this? And I want to challenge you and encourage you to, to read through that in Mark 11. Or yeah, Mark 11. Pray through that. What is Jesus getting at here? What does he mean by this? We are getting permission from Jesus, our master, our savior, our Lord, our king on praying bold prayers, on having faith to believe for the impossible. Now, this is not my opinion. This is just the words of Jesus. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is how we should pray. This is how Jesus is saying how we should pray. For some of us, it can make us feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. Like, I, again, we've prayed for things that didn't happen. So 
how do I reconcile this verse? And there's tension in that, isn't there? There's lots of tension, and I think that's okay. If you feel a little uncomfortable with this, I think that's okay. I, personally, I don't think Jesus cares about our comfort. Have you realized that about him? He's like, he, I think, is okay for us living in the tension of this, but I believe he's calling us to a higher level of faith than most of us are living in. And there's some uncomfortableness in this and there's some tension in this. And so let me just start out, before I go any further, let me just kind of a disclaimer here. I don't have all the answers to this. I'm not the smartest theologian by, I'm not even close uh, to being the smartest theologian here. But uh, we know this, like God tells us in his word that his ways are higher than our ways. And so how he moves, how he acts is so much beyond what we can even fathom, what we can even understand. God alone is God. So why does he do things? Why does he not do things at times in this? We don't have all of those answers. And so we're left to live kind of in this place of, uh, uh, of tension, basically. And that can feel uncomfortable for us. But there's things that God does that, can we just be honest and say this? Like, it doesn't always make sense. I, I don't know, but he's God. So my question for you is, can you trust God even in those moments? Can you trust him? Remember, here's what we're talking about today. The strength of my faith is based upon the strength of my God. The strength of my faith is not based upon, has God answered my prayers or not answered my prayers? The strength of my faith is not based upon what have I seen him do? What have I experienced in life? It's based upon who God is, who his character is. It's based upon how he's even called me to pray and how he's called me to live. You see, though life can be confusing and our prayer life and even theology and understanding this can be confusing at times, what is clear is how Jesus has called us to live and even how he's called us to pray. That's pretty clear, actually. But then we're left to live in the tension of this. So this is my encouragement to you. Make sure that the strength of your faith is founded on the strength of your God. See, it's important that we don't allow our theology to be based upon our experiences. And sometimes it happens to us unintentionally, even unconsciously. But we want to make sure that our theology is based upon the word of God here, not our experiences. The word of God needs to shape our theology, not our experiences. So even as we talk about this and, and, and wrestle through this, it's kind of tough. It's kind of emotional. Like, let's tackle today this question. Why does God not always heal? Why doesn't he always heal when we ask him to? And that's a very important question. If you watched, listened last week, you knew that I alluded to, I wanted to approach that topic this week. For a lot of us, this question carries a lot of emotions. It's very real. There's a lot of people that don't believe in God because he didn't answer their prayers to heal themselves or family member. I've seen that take place even in my own family and friends. Maybe you identify with that. And we're left in this place where we're hurt. We feel like, I can't trust you, God, because I prayed. Your word says I can believe for it. And then I do, and it doesn't happen. And so we're left in this place where we're just, we're hurt. We're full of pain. And therefore, our, our faith gets less and less and less. And many of you, you've had bad experiences. And I, I feel for you in that. You know, maybe somebody said, I got a word for you. God says this, and you believe that word, you, you, you trusted that word, but it didn't happen. And so this kind of left you feeling hurt and confused, and, and I get that. That's happened to me quite a few times in my life. 
And so again, my encouragement is this, is can we trust God even through those times? And remember this, no matter where you're at in this, God wants to be with you and meet with you even in those moments of brokenness. I love that he promises this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to you in those moments where you are brokenhearted. And it says in Psalm there, he saves the crushed in spirit. When you feel crushed, you feel brokenhearted, you feel hurt and pain because of these types of situations, because God didn't answer, God didn't heal, God didn't do this, and I believe for it, all this. Just please know this. He is near to you in that moment because he's near to the brokenhearted. That's a promise from God. But we want to make sure that we allow the word of God to shape our theology, not our experiences. So why does God not always heal? It's a tough question, but it's a very, very important question. And I think to tackle that, we got to look at this thing called the atonement. Let's talk about the atonement. The atonement's a very big theological word that refers to the reconciliation of God to mankind through the sacrifice, uh, the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. That's the atonement. It's basically what Jesus did for us, for all of mankind, through his work on the cross. And so then the question is, what did the atonement accomplish? And so then that's where there's lots of theological debates. Like, is there unlimited grace or just limited grace in the atonement? Okay, that's, there's lots of uh, debates on that. Okay, so let's talk about this. You and I are made of three, three components. We have a, a, a body, a soul, and a spirit. And it's important that you understand that healing came to all three components through the cross. The atonement brings healing to us physically. The atonement brings healing to our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, all that, uh, you, you know, our anxiety, different things. And then the, the atonement brings healing to our lives spiritually. In fact, Jesus says, you know, when you begin a relationship with him and you begin following him, we're born again. That's the term that he uses. And what that means is before saying yes to Jesus, accepting his grace and forgiveness and following him, our spirit was dead. But when we say yes to Jesus, something supernaturally happens. We're born again. Our spirit comes alive. And now you and I can connect with God. We can communicate with God. We can commune with God because he is spirit. So through our spirit, we can experience all that with God and be in relationship with him. So we're all alive spiritually. So healing comes to our spirit. Healing comes to our soul. But healing also comes to our, our body. And that's a promise from the word of God. Isaiah prophesied it. He said this about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we're healed. And Peter reiterated that later on. He said he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And so we see there that healing is promised through the atonement. But what we struggle with is, okay, I pray for healing, but it doesn't happen. And so we got to understand this. Uh, the atonement doesn't promise physical healing every single time, though it is still possible. We know that. But it isn't promised every single time. And that's how we know that is because Jesus, through his atonement, did not eradicate death. We're all going to still experience death. We wish that weren't the case, but death is still going to happen to all of us. Now, Jesus has the power to heal people fully and completely. We've seen it. We shared a story even last week where uh, one of my pastors was brought from death back to life. But the truth is, 
he still eventually is going to die again physically. And so in the atonement, we still have this ability to be healed by Jesus physically, but we have to understand that Jesus did not eradicate death still. He is eventually gonna do that. There is a time and a place when he comes and fully establishes his kingdom and he reigns over everything. You and I will live uh, body, soul, and spirit forever, eternally in perfection. But for now, he's taken away the sting of death, thankfully. And so we don't have to fear death. We know that when we die, it's basically a transition. It's a graduation into being with him. And that's even better, into the presence of God. And so I think it's important we understand this theology behind the atonement. Healing is possible through, through the atonement. But then we you know, still wrestle with, okay, so why doesn't it always happen? Maybe the better question is, why doesn't, why doesn't God answer all of our prayers? You wrestled with that one? You know, it's important for us to understand God's not a, a vending machine. We can't just push buttons and like, okay, God, I asked for this and out it comes. Okay, God does not exist to make you and I happy. He does not exist to make us comfortable. We talked about that, right? God does not promise to bail you and I out of every situation. He doesn't promise that your life is gonna be easy when you say yes to me. In fact, what he does promise is that you still will go through trials. You still will face persecution. Hardships will come. That's a promise. So that is gonna happen. So again, here's, here's my reminder. Can we make the strength of our faith founded and based upon the strength of our God no matter what we go through? Even in the trials, even when we are waiting for the answers for our prayers and believing for them, can you still have a strong faith? I pray that you do. And your faith is strong, not because God answers your prayer or doesn't answer your prayer, but it's be strong because of who he is. It's based upon the strength of your God. So here's another theological question for you. Does God exist for you or do you exist for God? You ever thought about that? It's kind of a philosophical question too. And some of you are like, okay, my brain hurts, Tyrone. Okay, this is, what, what, what is the scene here? But think about this. Does God exist for you or do you exist for God? And when you really think through that, you realize, well, obviously I exist for God. He doesn't exist for me. Now, I think it's important for us to know that God, he, he is for you. Okay? He, he's, he, he wants what's best for you. Okay? He's for you, he's for you, he's for you, he's for you, if I can quote the popular song right now. Okay? But he doesn't exist for you. You exist for him. You exist to bring glory to him. But oftentimes we find ourselves acting as if God exists for us. Too often we find ourselves thinking, praying, God, you exist for me. But the truth is we exist for him and to bring him glory in everything in our life. You and I exist for God. So let's look at what Jesus' priorities were in his ministry because we talked about how he taught us to pray. He basically taught us to pray bold prayers of faith. Let's, let's look at how he lived his ministry. There's a few things we can learn about the priority of what Jesus came to do for us through his ministry and then through his death and resurrection, through the, through the atonement. And so let's look at Mark uh, chapter one. We'll go to verse 36. But here's what's happening in Mark. I love the gospel of Mark because it just gets right to it. It's like this fast moving book that just 
boom, dives right into the ministry of Jesus. And this happens, this happens. It just kind of, it just keeps cruising all the way through. It's great. That's what Mark is great. And so right away in chapter one, Jesus is healing people. He's casting out demons and large crowds of people are gathering around him everywhere he goes, which is taxing on Jesus. So he gets up early one day and he goes to a solitary place, says to pray. He just needs to go pray alone and just be with his father. Well, as people are getting up that morning, everyone's looking for Jesus. Those people are like, they're still sick. They still have diseases. They still need healing. They, the demon possessed are, are gathering and they're looking for Jesus. Nobody can find Jesus. Even the disciples have like no idea where he is. So they go looking for him. And in verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. When Jesus says, that is why I have come, I think we should pay attention to why he has come. Because what's interesting here is Jesus literally turns his back on a whole bunch of people that needs to be healed to go and preach. He's saying, the reason I've come is I got to make sure I share the gospel, the gospel of my kingdom. My kingdom is here. It is at hand. It is near. So we can be offended at Jesus. You left a whole bunch of people high and dry. What do you think? Do you not even care? There's more sick people there, but he's like, I've got to go and I'm called to preach. And so we, we begin to see what Jesus's priority is, even through his life and his ministry. Does Jesus care about our physical needs? Yes, he constantly healed people. But then he even left some people behind and didn't heal everybody. And then in Mark chapter two, in the next chapter, one of my favorite stories in, in all of scripture is where these guys carry their friend, their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And they, uh, they try to get to Jesus. Again, the, the house is packed, it's crowded. Crowds have gathered around Jesus. They can't get to Jesus. And so what do they do? They go up onto the roof. They, they bust a hole through the roof. They lower their buddy down through in front of Jesus. And Jesus sees this guy coming down in front of him, looks at him and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I'm sure that the guys up on the roof are like, uh, like, thanks, Jesus. That's great and all. Appreciate the forgiveness. Very, very nice and generous of you. But like, can't you see what he really needs? Like we brought him here because he's paralyzed. Jesus, he needs to walk. He, can you pray for him? Can you heal him so our friend can walk? It doesn't say that in the story, but I'm sure they're thinking that. But Jesus has given us a clue right here, an indicator of what's really important to him. And he speaks to a greater need that this man has. Yes, he was uh, physically paralyzed, but more importantly, he was spiritually paralyzed. And Jesus spoke to the inside and he shows us what's, what, what really matters. See, here's the deal. Jesus could have healed him. He could heal, heal, heal you and me. He could heal all of us. But if we experience his healing, but never say yes to his grace and his forgiveness and commit to following him, then we miss out on an eternity with him. And that's what Jesus really cares about. Jesus wants you and I to be with him forever in eternity. Yes, he cares about our physical healing. Yes, he heals today. But what's more important is Jesus wants you and I to be in relationship with him. And he speaks to what's going on on the inside. And some of us, we're caught up with these outward prayers. Jesus, heal. Jesus, would you do this? Jesus, would you answer this prayer? Would you answer this prayer? And maybe we need to start asking Jesus, is there something else going on inside of me that you really need to take care of? Is there something else inside of me, Jesus, that you need to get rid of? Is there some pride? Is there some unforgiveness? Is there some other issues that are clouding me from seeing you more clearly 
in getting closer to you. You know Jesus just wants you to be close to him no matter what you go through. I got a whole bunch more to say today, but I'm gonna bring this message to a close today and basically gonna say, come back next week because part two is gonna be really good and I'm gonna kind of bring this around, kind of wrap the, you know, tie the bow tie together on top of however they say that, whatever that means. Bring it to a close and make sure this all makes sense. But in a sense, today I'm kind of leaving you hanging, even theologically leaving you hanging a little bit because I just want you to know Jesus loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And that is the priority of, of his life and his ministry and even his atonement. Because Jesus did not establish his physical kingdom, but he did come to establish his spiritual kingdom. And so spiritually, you and I need to be in relationship with him and make sure that he is the king of our life. Yet with that, please understand this. God cares, he loves, he heals. He is the God of miracles, as his word calls him. He is the God who heals and he still heals people. And again, that's part of my my hope here is that you and I would have greater faith to see these miracles take place more and more and more. We looked at this story a few weeks ago, but I wanted to share this story again. It's B. Hansmeyer and God healed her several years ago. And it didn't happen immediately for her. It happened eventually for her. And I just love how she encourages us just to keep believing and keep praying. So I wanted to, to revisit this story, watch this story, and I pray that it encourages you. I was in my early 20s when I found out I had fibromyalgia. Um, it's an awful disease that's not really curable. Um, you're in a lot of pain all throughout your body, your muscles. Um, you don't sleep very well. So um, chronic fatigue syndrome generally goes along with it. And um, I, I just remember being so young and thinking, here I am a newlywed. You know, how can I be a good wife when it's all that I can do to get out of bed and go to work? And, and that's it. <laughs> how can I ever be a, a mother? Um, and just so frustrated. Um, with having to deal with this disease and really not having any answers. Um, I was sick about three years uh, and I spent a lot of time in prayer. I, I mean, I would pray at least every day, if not multiple times a day for healing. I knew that God was capable of healing. I'd seen him heal other people. I even prayed for others and seen them healed. So I knew that he could. It was never a question of whether or not he could. Um, I think just, I think I just didn't know that he wanted to. I think I didn't believe that I was good enough or, or something like that, as if I could possibly earn it. Um, anyway, I was seeing a um, chiropractor uh, during that time, and uh, when I would see her, I would get a little bit of relief. It was never 100%, but at least it would get me, you know, a couple more days where I would be doing okay. Um, and uh, I just remember laying in bed one night. It was late and I had to work early the next day. And I remember praying and thinking, God, you're the best chiropractor that there is. You're the great physician. You're the best one. I know that you can heal me. And I just remembered thinking about uh, the Bible verse about the lepers going before Jesus and saying, Lord, if you're willing, heal me. And so that was my prayer that night. It was so simple. 
so simple. All the hours and hours and hours, the hundreds of times that I had prayed for healing, this simple prayer of, Lord, if you're willing. And I heard him say so clearly in my head, I want to, I want to. And it was in that moment that I felt this warm, tingly feeling in my feet and moving all the way up my legs and into the rest of my body and had this just awesome, uh, warm feeling all throughout my body. I knew I was being healed. I nudged my husband and said, Josh, like, I'm being healed right now of fibromyalgia. <laughs> and um, oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was like I was getting this supernatural chiropractic adjustment and plus everything else that I needed. I don't even know what I needed, but God knew. I woke up the next morning. I told all my coworkers. A lot of them don't know the Lord. Uh, so that was just fun to share that because they knew that I'd been struggling for three years with this disease. And um, I've been completely healed since that day. I've never had an issue. It's never tried to return. It's gone. It's done in Jesus' name. God didn't just heal me that day. He gave me my life back. And I don't know if, if maybe like me, you've been praying and praying and praying for something. And maybe it's even been years. Don't give up. I'm so glad I didn't. It's worth it to keep going. It's worth it to keep faith. It's worth it to have hope. Don't give up. Well, would you receive those words? Uh, again, don't give up. Keep praying. Here's what we know. Here's what we see. Sometimes God heals immediately. Sometimes God heals eventually. And even sometimes God heals in eternity. My encouragement to you is to keep believing and keep holding on to that faith that's based in who God is, not in your circumstance, not in the answer to the unanswered prayer. You know, what's interesting about that story is you'll never see videos where we put together, you know, here's a story of like someone who's struggling with physical healing and they're, they're praying, they're believing, and then they just, and the video ends with, and God hasn't answered my prayer, and that's my story. We don't see many of those, right? But the truth is, that's where many of us are living. That's where we're at. And so my encouragement to you today again is make the strength of your faith based upon the strength of your God and who he is and keep trusting him. No matter what you go through, you and I can trust him no matter when or how we see him answer. Again, next week, we're gonna continue on in this, talk more about it, talk about, is it God's will to heal everyone? So you want to make sure you don't miss that. It's going to, it's, it's going to be good. And we'll continue part two of, of this that's really all centered around the strength of my faith is based upon the strength of my God. Maybe your faith is struggling right now. Maybe it's, it's weakening. Maybe it's faltered. Maybe it's, you feel broken and hurt. I just want to speak life and encouragement into you. And I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray that God will strengthen your faith today. That you would have a faith that gets stronger and stronger and stronger no matter what you face in life. Why? Because you and I have a God that we can trust no matter what. Whose ways are higher than our ways that don't always make sense, but we can still trust him. He is trustworthy. In fact, he is the most trustworthy person you and I could ever have in our life. That's God. Would you trust him 
no matter what. I'm going to pray that God will strengthen your faith, will strengthen your ability to trust him. Maybe you're walking through some tough stuff right now. Maybe you feel overwhelmed right now. Maybe you feel very hurt, scared, lonely, whatever. I'm just going to pray that God's going to meet you right where you're at right now. Or maybe today's the day where you're ready to say yes to Jesus and experience his life-changing power, experience his love for the very first time. You're going to move from death spiritually to life spiritually. Maybe today is your day. I want to pray for you as well. So would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, I thank you for every person that's here, that's listening, that's watching this message. And God, I just pray right now by your spirit, you would, you would meet them wherever they're at in their living room. Maybe they're walking around. Maybe they're driving right now, listening, watching this message. God, would you meet them by your spirit right now? Just begin to fill them from head to toe with your presence. God, let them know that you you see them, you hear them, you're with them. You are a God who is near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed. Would you speak that to them right now? Would you comfort them? Would you encourage them? And I just pray right now that faith would, would rise, that faith would grow, that faith would get stronger in their life. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.